One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And it's Courtney's night. I hear the rain uh, drip a drop in on your roof. Uh, it sure is. Thank you, spring. Thank you, disgusting sad weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the perfect soundtrack for a disgusting sad story that I cannot believe that I have never heard. I am 99% sure this is a listener suggestion. So thank you, listener, for this god-awful story that has not been told enough. This... I, I don't even know, the, the atrocious overall behavior of James Mitchell DeBarta Laban. Mm. Very quick trigger warning for rape. There are, are no details, but just a heads up. So from 1979 to 1983, the Secret Service was tracking a sting of counterfeiting cases that stretched across 38 states. The MO of the person or persons doing the counterfeiting was to spend $20 bills at several stores in a mall and would mostly purchase small items and then discard them afterward. Malls were the perfect locations for a counterfeiter to move their fake money because they could hit up several stores very quickly and there were multiple exits if someone were to catch on that the bills were fake. Smart. So they would discard the items that they bought. Right, they just basically the were just getting the change. Yeah. Exactly, buy something worth a dollar fifty, throw it away, right. keep the nineteen dollars, eighteen fifty. Yeah. Within a very short period of time, the counterfeiter had made around a hundred and thirty thousand dollars, which is about a half a million dollars today. Wow. Yep. And the authorities started to refer to them as the mall passer, since most of the money was being moved through malls. Wow. My, yeah. Not to sidetrack immediately, but my five-year-old just the other day was asking me how much something cost. And I was, or he was like, do you have a million dollars? And I was like, I do not have a million dollars. And he was like, I will make you a million dollars. And I was yeah. like, oh, how are you going to make me a million dollars? And he was like, I have paper. And I was like, oh, no, you can't do yeah. that. Yep. And, I like uh, it. Yeah. yeah he was like, but crime. why not? Can't you just make the money that you need? And I was like, well, we should be able to do that, my child, but we cannot. Yes, it, as, it, as it turns out, yes, you can. Do we have the gold to back the money that they were printing? No. No, so, uh, sure don't. Fair game, kid. It's fair game at this point as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so uh, I think my, my youngest might be this future person. Mall chasing. Mall Passer. Passer. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm going to really hope beyond hope that he's not the mall passer because the mall passer. This is just is the tip of the iceberg. A mall monster. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. So the person was so good at their crime, they managed to always stay one step ahead of authorities, but they did manage to put together, the authorities managed to put together a composite sketch based off of a few eyewitness descriptions, and it was distributed nationwide. Then in 1983, the Secret Service received a tip that one of the bills had showed up at a mall in Tennessee, and so all of the agents in Tennessee were sent to start canvassing the malls and distributing flyers with the sketch on it. I also just can't help but think like, okay, half a million dollars in counterfeiting bills is a lot of money, but also why are we not doing this for worse crimes? Mm, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, it's come on. It's like, uh, anyway, I'm going to be yeah. a tangent the other day, but like why was Tucker Carlson not booted off of Fox until uh, he cost exactly. them nearly a billion dollars? Exactly. Because anyway. money talks. Yep. So luckily, a clerk at one of the stores where the sketch was dropped made the connection when a customer matching the description spent $20 at their store, and so she called the police to report him. Authorities managed to catch up with the man, and he was taken into custody after four years of chasing him unsuccessfully. They took his fingerprints, and he was identified as James Mitchell DeBarta Laban. And it turned out that this wasn't the first time he'd been arrested for counterfeiting, as he had also been taken in in 1976. So they checked the registration of his car, and it was registered to an apartment complex in Alexandria, Virginia, which they immediately searched for the equipment and materials required to produce the counterfeit money. They knew that they needed to work quickly to find the equipment, because if he was working with someone else and they moved everything... DeBarda Laban would serve significantly less time, and the operation that they'd worked so hard to take down would be able to continue. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they didn't find anything helpful at all in the apartment in Alexandria. Quote, essentially, that was it, one agent remembered. We were both so disappointed and dumbfounded. Here was this major investigation. We were looking for a whole printing operation press, plates, and negatives, a sizable quantities of counterfeit cash, too. After working all night and day, we came up empty-handed. Unbelievable. If he's this good, he's not going to just, like, keep all that shit in some apartment mm. that is easily mm. traced to him. Yeah. Well, it was not entirely easily. He used several aliases, mm -hmm. but they were able to, yes. But yeah. 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 Before they left, though... One detective decided to check through the phone books in the apartment and went through every single page of the white and yellow pages and tore out any page that had a mark or underline of any kind. <laughs> wow. When the detective got to the M section of the yellow pages, he found a piece of paper stuck in the section for moving and storage companies. And one of those units was just a couple of blocks away from the apartment when they got to the facility, the manager greeted them and said, quote, I've been expecting you guys. I've been waiting for the cops. What? Yep. After glancing at DeBartolabin's photo. Wow. God, detectives, sometimes yeah. they just really know what they're doing. I would have been yeah. like, ugh, garbage. Those are heavy. <laughs> you know? Seriously. Like, yeah. Wow. Now, every single page. Uh, he went through the entire white pages and then moved on to the yellow no, pages. And, that's amazing. Yeah. 
quote, the manager explained that she knew the man in the photo as J.R. Jones, resident at the nearby Oakwood Apartments, who'd rented mini storage locker number 230 at Landmark, the name of the facility, for $28 a month in November 1982. The quote continues, some weeks before, Jones had left locker number 230 lit and unlocked one evening. When she reached inside to turn off the unit's single electric bulb, the manager had been shocked and a bit scared to see a red bubble light of the type police sometimes use resting on the floor. Oh, no. Also out in plain view was a large flashlight, photographic equipment, some tools, a ski mask, and what Johnson took to be a police radio. The manager was Johnson. Uh, uh, right. She called the local police with her discovery but it had been brushed off. Since then, the manager said she figured it would just be a matter of time before the police came to her. Yeah. They searched the unit and you'll never guess what they found. Ugh. A big old printing press used to produce counterfeit money. Mm-hmm. But as the Secret Service agents searched through the rest of the contents of the storage unit, it became very clear to them that DeBarta Laban was probably more than just a counterfeiter. I every once in a while we get to these cases and I'm like, I think that's that is the largest amusement park of forensic <laughs> evidence we have ever attended. Sadie Eck. Oh, here we go. Buckle in. Put put your little pants on oh and get God. ready. I love this game more than anything. Oh. As they opened up the rest of the unit, they found multiple firearms, handcuffs, police badges. When I say multiple, I mean like 17 guns. Wow. Handcuffs, police badges, lights from police vehicles, and a handful of photographs of around 50 women who, quote, appeared to be under tremendous stress. No. They also found balls of tape with human hair in it, (sighs) nylon rope, knives, maps from various states, women's clothing. Oh, my God. They also found several handwritten notes and diaries that outlined how to kidnap people and various torture techniques. Oh, my God. My eyes are so big. What? It, like, uh, yeah. So they basically walked into the movie Seven and were like, oh, okay. Oh, my God. Here's literally everything that we could ever possibly need. And we already <laughs> have the guy in custody. Wow. I bet they but, were not expecting that. No. And also, how often do you get the perpetrator before you get the victims. Right. Now they're like, holy yeah, shit, like, now we have to find these victims. 50 pictures. 50 women. Jeez. Yes. So in a matter of a couple of hours, the case shifted from a clear-cut case of counterfeiting to an investigation into an unknown number of felonies, likely sexual assault, and potentially murder. In all, they collected 144 boxes of evidence (laughs) that had to be sorted through and investigated. Yes. So in one of the boxes, a detective found a cassette tape with a woman's name written on it. Uh And when he played the tape, he heard a man's voice explaining that he was going to smoke a cigar and then press the lit cigar into the woman's back until he put it out so she could, quote, feel the fucking pain while the woman screamed in pain and begged for him to kill her. Oh, no. I will play you a sample no. of his tapes no, right no, no, no. now. I can't do it. First, I'm going to take a whole bunch of pictures. Still shots, color shots. And nothing but a piece of 
you're going to smoke a cigar and push the cigar in the middle of your back and put it out so you can feel the pain. <clears throat> this is a tape regarding my goals. Number one, establish a new identity. Second, buy a house according to my own specifications and needs with a secret fun area which would include a cage so that I could have a SMB locked up. A prime importance, top priority would be an incinerator capable of incinerating at an extremely high temperature, total incineration. Describe the pain. How does it hurt? Describe it. Just exactly how does it hurt? <laughs> Welcome to hell, everyone. Welcome to actual hell. How, but really, how has this one not been covered more? I try. I don't know. Three years in, wow. three and a half years in, and I am shocked. This is the first I've heard about yeah. James DeBartolaben. So thank you again, listener. What the fuck? So the detectives who heard the tape say that they are haunted by them to this day. Like, no doubt about it. Well, I can't imagine, especially if you can hear the women too. Yeah, they cut the women out good. of the tapes well, for should. good reason. Yes. yes. But what they heard was massively motivated for them to find the victims and bring James de Bartolaben to justice for everything he'd done to them. And to hear to hear the audio of somebody like fully unmasked, you Ugh. know, just that's Ugh. really chilling. Mm-mm. His voice yeah, is so 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 scary. Scary. It's seriously the voice that all horror voices yes. were. It's like the scream voice. Yes. I mean, it sounds almost exactly like the scream voice. It's terrifying. They put together a sheet with all of the women's photographs and circulated it all over the country to see if any police departments could help identify any of them. They said that they received a massive influx of calls from local and state police, as well as the FBI, who had unsolved cases related to the women in the photographs. (sighs) So James DeBartolaben, who went by Mike, was born in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1940. He grew up in a military family and they moved frequently throughout his life. His parents had an extremely chaotic relationship and they both cheated on each other constantly throughout their marriage, but stayed together despite their very volatile relationship. There are reports that DeBartolaben's mother was very neglectful of her three children when their father was away and preferred to spend her time in bars picking up on men rather than being at home with her kids. Mike's older sister, Linda, was the one to take care of him most of the time, and his hatred for his mother is cited as the main motivation for his behavior later in life. His father was described as a very, quote, punitive man who was constantly critical of his children and rarely praised them. His punishment started when his children were very young and included hitting them with a switch and holding their heads underwater. Yeah. DeBartolaben was described as a loner who spent most of his time in his room working on art projects and rarely interacted with his peers. 
He enrolled in the Air Force after being expelled from high school, but was court-martialed for disorderly conduct and was pronounced AWOL multiple times. He attempted to return to school, but was expelled for a second time and so turned to a life of crime. He was sentenced to five years probation for his involvement in a string of car thefts and then continued to live with his parents who grew to fear him and his violent outbursts. He married twice. Well, he married four times, but in 1960, he had a daughter with his second wife, Charlotte, who said he was cold and detached, but never abusive, you know, by 1960 standards. Right. Charlotte became pregnant for her second time, but DeBartolabin's parents forced them to give that child up for adoption. What? Yeah. Because they, they were living with them. Right. Right. So in 1961, DeBartolabin's 19-year-old brother, Ray, committed suicide oh. while on leave from the Air Force. No. DeBartolabin attempted to attend college a couple of times in Texas. Then he divorced Charlotte moved back in with his parents after he spent time in jail for a probation violation. There's a lot more. I mean, there's a fair amount more about him. This is a little bit of a synopsis, but I also pisses me off when there's like two sentences about his victims and then like thousands. But it's, you know, I always want to know where this behavior comes from. So I'm including it, but this is a little bit of a... uh, yeah, speeding it up. Right, right. Speeding, let's yeah, get through the shit. We know. The you, terrible you guy. The terrible guy. Exactly. Had terrible life. Had a terrible life. Lots of bad shit happened within a very short amount of time, too. So once he was back home, he started regularly beating his mother. No. And was, yeah. And was diagnosed Jesus. as sociopathic and antisocial after his parents reported him to the police because they were convinced he was going to kill them. Right. Quote, clinicians opinioned that his antisocial personality would render him a poor candidate for psychotherapy and the (laughs) safest place for him to be was in jail. Oh, my God. Well, and it's not often that we have perpetrators that abuse their parents as adults, you know, like when they're adults. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. The tables turned. They fucking turned, yeah. and he took full advantage of that right. and beat the shit out of his parents, specifically his mom. Yeah. He also would, like, set fires in the house. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. So DeBarda Laban married a woman named Wanda Faye Davis in 1964 and convinced her to let him take photos of them, quote, engaging in sadistic acts, which he later used to blackmail her into helping him commit crimes. Oh, my God. Yeah. He also shared his sadistic fantasies with her and was very open about his desire to torture and kill women. She later told the Secret Service, quote, his greatest thing that he could ever have thought about was to abduct a woman, torture her, have various sex activities go on, strangle her and watch her die or blow her brains out with a gun. Oh my God. Uh... Then he would hide her so that if she was ever even found, there would be no evidence of who had done it and it would be the perfect crime. In 1966, Del Laban was arrested for kidnapping and sodomizing a young girl with his wife's cousin. Oh, man, get this. Check this out, guys. But the charges were withdrawn after the jury learned that the victim had willingly gotten into the car with her attackers. I, what? Yeah. Yep. So Del Laban's wife's cousin helped him? Mm-hmm. And they dropped the charges because she got in the car? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Are you 
kidding no. me. What year no, was this? Was 1966. Oh my God. So his entire oh young God. adult life, he's beating the shit out of his parents. His pa- oh psychologists God. are like, this guy needs to go to jail. He's sodomizing young <sighs> girls. He's I, like car theft on and on. It's just another one of those things. This is avoidable. Had this person gotten serious help or been put in prison for sodomizing children, we could have avoided what we're about to get into. But I, no, I have they just never... Like, Victim blamed, yeah. For yep. getting in the car, yeah. a child. I don't, I mean, young woman. I don't okay. know her age. But, but it doesn't well, matter. No, it says young girl, young girl. So yes, I'm assuming a child, Underage. probably preteen. Oh yes. my God. You yeah. asked for it because you got in the car? Yeah, you child. Oh my God. Or I mean, adult. or adult woman, anybody. Yeah. You, could you be don't get in the car. You seven years old. And if you make a choice to get in a car and someone attacks you, you, you did not deserve know. to get attacked. Oh, I can't let's just quit i'm done i can't I <laughs> like know. what this isn't yep. real life here that we go thing. we're gonna keep going no it doesn't yeah. get better oh no God. it's way fucking worse everybody so soon after that debarta laban's wife got pregnant but suffered a miscarriage after he pushed her down a flight of stairs no she got pregnant again but the couple divorced by the time she gave birth to their daughter he then married a 17-year-old girl named Karen. Mm-mm. Yep. And he, at this point, I think he was 12 years older than her. And it was during this time that he was arrested for counterfeiting for the first time. When police searched his home after that arrest, they found, quote, a collection of dildos, whips, vibrators, and a stack of five-by-seven cards containing the names, addresses, measurements, and physical characteristics of numerous women. Oh, nothing to see here. His house had amateur sadomastic, sadomasochistic pornography all over the walls. No, it didn't. Yes. But no big deal. Like, slap on the wrist. Yeah. I'm not going to follow up on these women and give them any kind of a heads up that this guy with a giant vibrator and, like, whip collection and sadomasochistic porno- pornography right? all over his walls might be interested in them. Or to, like, check on them and make sure that they aren't dead. Yeah. Or abused or... And I don't know if they did, but I, based on uh, all of the fucking Cracker Jack work that's been done to curb this guy's mm-hmm. future activities so far, I'm going to guess they did not. Or they did and they were like, oh, well, you asked for it by being alive. Yeah. By being well, a human if you didn't with want a body. It, if you don't want to get targeted, you shouldn't have an address. <laughs> right? You shouldn't have measurements to provide... You know, like exactly. Oh, I mean, I'd just get God. rid of my name if I were you. Then it could. How is he going to find right? you if you don't have a name? Yeah, just put a Simple bag over that. your head, bag head God. body over the whole thing. Like just yeah, bag head body. Don't sit have on, an address. Oh God, just wander forever. And then if you keep moving, no man can ever catch you. <laughs> just run really fast all the time. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate it. So after the Secret Service released the images of the woman found in the storage locker, the women found in the storage locker, two FBI agents, one of whom was named Kathy Kaiser and happened to be one of the first women in the FBI ever. Just a side note, doesn't actually play out. Wait, ever? Woman ever? Yeah. Wow. Kathy Kaiser. Yep. Good for her. So she, they, she and her partner met with Secret Service agents to go over all of the evidence and were able to identify one of the women as Lori Jensen. 
You guys, it's that time again. Time to talk about our favorite BFF pros. The best smelling BFF on the market (laughs) for your head. Most of you have probably heard me sing the praises of pros and they're truly custom made to order hair care. Switching to a custom routine from pros was one of the best things I've done for my hair and the results I'm seeing just keep getting better sincerely. Yeah, right? I know. I just was looking at my hair the other day and it was so shiny, Mm -hmm. smooth, smelled amazing. I kept getting whiffs and being like, whoa, who's that? Oh, it's my hair. Did a sophisticated French woman just walk by? No, it's my (laughs) own head. No, for real though, I have tons and tons of texture in my hair, but most shampoos and products weigh it down and that I want that. It's the whole point of having a short haircut and pros brings that out more than any other product. I like a light hold that actually holds. I don't Mm -hmm. want my hair to be crunchy. Nobody does. It's a perfect balance of a good hold so the texture stays in place all day, all night. I can revitalize it in the morning too if I don't have time to wash my hair, put a little water on there. I'm back in business. I love it. Yes. I also realize I have like seven hairbrushes and I'm always reaching for my pros. Oh, yeah. That thing. I can't brush my hair and I'm jealous. I got it for, Mm -hmm. for my wife and she absolutely loves it. So Pros knows there is more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how we got started. Absolutely. And I love that they ask really specific questions like where you live. Is it an industrial area? Is it a more natural area? Mm -hmm. How often do you go to the gym? Are you vegetarian? Is it color treated? Mm -hmm. You know, all the things that you need to take into consideration because it's more than just shampooing your hair conditioning your hair and putting some product on it. The choices you make in your life, your habits, all of that plays into it, and they take that all into consideration. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros handpicks clean, sustainably sourced ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. My favorite feature is Pros' review and refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I change up my address, my hair color, or even my diet. I am also somebody who likes different olfactory experiences Mm -hmm. and all of their fragrance are so unique and special that I want to try them all. It's Mm -hmm. a little special moment for me every day when I wash my hair, something to look forward to. (laughs) And it's so nice to be able to go in there and try new things and tweak your options until you get exactly what you want. I felt extremely positive about my products right out of the gate, but I do like to play around and see what works and Pros gives me the option to do that. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. And if you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back, no questions asked, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash they will. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash they will for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Do it. You won't regret it. So today's episode is also sponsored by Care Of. 
Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. Care of wants to make it easy to take care of you and recognizes every day wellness is different for everyone. You start by taking a short in-depth quiz about your lifestyle and health goals for a personalized doctor-backed recommendation, taking the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. So taking the quiz was seriously easy and it felt very in-depth as somebody who is constantly trying to find ways to take better care of myself, who has a spouse who has had a bout of health issues over the last couple of years, it's become more and more clear to me that it is important to take care of your mind, body, and soul. (laughs) (laughs) And care of is a huge step forward for me in the body part of that triad. So taking the quiz, it was very holistic. It was very thorough. I haven't gotten my supplements yet. Sadie just got hers in the mail today, but I am super excited to try them. Yeah, it came in this gorgeous box. My name is on the products. I got electrolytes. I got digestive enzymes. I got a daily multivitamin pack, including iron, multivitamin, and vitamin C. I have sleep aids coming. I have a terrible time sleeping. I always have. I'm okay at going to sleep, but I don't stay asleep, which is one of the questions they asked me, which I appreciated because I think there's a big difference. I have chia and flax seeds coming, which I'm very excited about because Mm -hmm. chia is a huge part of my daily routine and I've never incorporated flax. So I'm excited about that. And gut health is always something, I mean, you can read countless articles about the importance of gut health. And so that's a huge priority for me and my family. I also love the idea of everything coming from one place. I can spend hours in an aisle looking and wondering if something's appropriate for me. So it's nice to have a spot to just enter my information, answer personalized questions, and then have it all come to me at home. That feels awesome. We will keep you posted as we get into these vitamins and start taking them regularly. You'll be hearing about it again from us real soon. Absolutely. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter they will 50. 50% off you guys. So much. So for 50% off your first care of order, and not 15, but 50, five, zero, mm-hmm. go to takecareof.com and enter code they will 50 Do yourself a favor. Do it. So four years earlier in 1979, 20-year-old Lori Jensen was walking home from her job at a convenience store in Ocean City, Maryland, and a police officer pulled over and told her that there had been a robbery nearby that he needed to question her about as the female involved in the incident matched her description. He instructed her to get into the car, which she obliged, and then he handcuffed and blindfolded her and drove her to a house two hours away. Oh, man. He kept her there for three days while he raped and tortured her and kept her locked in a closet. Every time she encountered him, he was completely naked except for a rudimentary hood that he wore with eye holes cut in it. Courtney, why are we, why is this so scary? This is awful. Yeah, this is awful. (laughs) What the fuck? How is she, okay, how is she speaking words? I don't know that she, I don't know. I mean, I know I she's know. not okay, but like, you know, I would right. just be done with life. I couldn't yeah. continue to live after that a terrifying no. experience. 
ter- absolutely just mind-rendingly mm-hmm. terrifying experience to go through. So he photographed her and recorded her pleas for help and forced her to tell him that she enjoyed what he was doing to her. Mm-hmm. After three days, he drove her home and released her alive. Oh, my God. The Secret Service played the tape for Lori Jensen, and she was able to confirm that it was her on the tape they collected they in DeBarta Layden's storage made facility. Made her listen to that shit? That's, yes, not even the last time she has to listen to it. No. Yes. Yep. I, I can't, I really, like, we have to quit podcasting right now. I'm so mad. Yeah. What the? Yes. Okay. I know. So the agents were massively relieved that they found one of the women alive, but after listening to DeBartolade Bin's tapes, they were afraid that they wouldn't be as lucky with all of the victims. In one of the tapes, he outlined how he planned to establish a new identity and buy a house with a, quote, secret fun area that would include a cage where he would keep an SMB or sadomasochistic bitch mm-hmm. locked up. He also said that a top priority for the home would to be to have an incinerator, quote, capable of incinerating at an extremely high temperature for total incineration. Mm-hmm. He also wanted to get enough money to live a year without working. And so it became clear to authorities that he had been counterfeiting money so that he could afford to travel around to collect women to rape, torture, and kill. <sighs> Have you ever in your life heard of something more fucked up? No. No. I mean, this is like toy box killer shit. Yes. Yeah. He was bankrolling his own murder fantasies with counterfeit, with like the longest and largest counterfeiting ring. super successful counterfeit. At the time. Yeah. Four years he he evaded. Wow. I'm not okay. This is not okay. No, it's, uh, once again, listener, kudos for finding this one. I, it's, my jaw was on the floor. I mean, I really, I I wish people could see my face because I'm staring off into space with my jaw literally open. Like my mouth is wide open. Like what the fuck is happening? So luckily the amusement park of forensic evidence that they'd found in the locker would help them track down the areas that he traveled to collect his victims. Thank God he had so much evidence. Thank God. So agents were able to tie him conclusively or otherwise to seven other living victims from around the country. 19-year-old Lucy Alexander was a nursing student in Georgetown, Delaware at the time that DeBartolabin kidnapped, raped, and sodomized her before releasing her in a remote location. 31-year-old Elizabeth Mason was a realtor in Fayetteville, North Carolina, who had scheduled multiple showings for a male client, and when they got to one of the showings, he started pistol-whipping her. Oh, my God. He then tied her up, hit her head against the floor, and strangled her until she passed out. When she woke up later, her attacker was gone, and her underwear and car had been stolen, but she had not been raped. Wow. 25-year-old Diane Overton was pulled over at 4 a.m. on an isolated road by DeBartolabin, who was posing as a police officer. He attempted to rape her, but she bit his hand and screamed for help. Fight, fight, fight. Yes. Always fight. Yes. Don't let them move you. No. Always fight. Yes. 
As he tried to force her into his car, she kicked the gear shift, which killed the engine, and she was able to get away. Yes. DeBartolaven tried to pursue her and run her over, but he eventually gave up, and she survived. Good. Fucking Good. Get it, Diane Overton, you permanent badass. Yes. 27-year-old Marie, I mean, all these people, I was all say, of these people. Because I would I just mean, lay down and die. We have discussed yes. this. That would be yes. my... Yes. Let it be a lesson. Let Diane Overton's actions be a lesson. Bite, scream, kick, get the fuck out of mm-hmm. there. 27-year-old Maria Santini was kidnapped at gunpoint from the clothing store that she worked at and taken to his home where he hogtied her, repeatedly raped her, and then released her in a rural area. Mm-hmm. 42-year-olds Joe Rapini and David Starr returned home from their job at a bank one day in Greece, New York, to find a masked man with a gun in their home. The man then kidnapped Rapini and instructed Starr to withdraw $70,000 for ransom. Starr was instructed to leave the money in a burned-out building, and he reported that it was then collected by a woman driving a white car, which led authorities to believe that DeBartolaben might have had an accomplice in his crimes. Despite delivering the ransom, Joe Rapini was found shot to death in his car later that no. day. And DeBartolaben outlined the crimes in his diaries. They didn't, uh, they never would have connected these no. two because they were men. You know, it was just like not his MO, but he had written about them in his diaries. And very unfortunately, Joe Rapini wasn't the only victim who was murdered during DeBartolaben's sadistic spree. The agents also got a call about an unsolved murder in Bossier City, Louisiana, of a 37-year-old woman named Jean McFall. Jean had grown up in Alabama and had been a real estate agent in Bossier City in the 80s. Her daughter described her as a very charming, outgoing woman who, quote, didn't know a stranger and was beloved by her family and community. One day, she was scheduled to show several homes to a client who had introduced himself as Dr. Zach and said that he was a family man and father of three who was moving from Texas and looking for a home for when they relocated. Real estate agents, I can speak from experience, love that type of sale because it's Mm -hmm. guaranteed, like they're going to buy something, and it's relatively safe considering he was a doctor, husband, and father. Right. Real quick, do you guys have safety measures for you? Um, yeah, there's, I mean, th- we use an app to enter homes and there is like agent safety on there. But I just generally, almost all of my clients are referrals and that's kind of for that reason. Right. Also, I mean, very much for that reason. Also, I've gotten one random request and I make sure to get pre-approval from them mm-hmm. before the fact it's not a bad idea to bring someone with you. You know, there's yeah. just different things to do. Yeah. Definitely let let everyone know where I'm going. Like CC the client on emails to other agents. Right. You know, there's just a lot of things that you can Make do sure to deter visible. that kind of behavior. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's just the easiest way for a creep to get a woman alone in a house that's empty, right? Potentially yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Totally. Yeah. No, it makes total sense why realtors yeah. are targeted. Oh yeah. So Jean's daughter said that she had made a habit to check in with her office two or three times a day because she was very aware of the threats that agents face, Mm -hmm. especially female agents. The head of her office called her family later that afternoon to report that they hadn't heard from her for the entire afternoon. 
so wanted to check in and make sure she'd made it home okay, which of course she had not. Police immediately went to the homes that she'd scheduled to show Dr. Zach and did a thorough search of each, but initially didn't find any sight of her. In one of the homes, however, they noticed a few pieces of insulation on the ground underneath the opening to the attic. When they searched the attic, they found her hanging dead from the rafter. (laughs) She had not been raped, but had been stabbed twice and strangled. Oh, my God. The killer also wiped his knife clean on her blouse as she hung from the rafter. Oh, man. When police interviewed witnesses, one of the neighbors was also able, was able to give a description of Dr. Zach, which was turned into a composite sketch that looked a hell of a lot like DeBartelaben. Agents also found the name Dr. Zach in a list of aliases he had written in one of his diaries. <laughs> You've got to get, keep your story straight, man, and your yeah. alias murder diary. Yeah. Hmm. I want to. I'm going to brainstorm some names I like. I know Doctor Zach oh sounds good. God. Uh, fucking creep. The eyewitness also described that he'd been wearing a very large gold ring, and agents found a matching ring in his belongings. Agents then looked into unsolved cases involving real estate agents and found another of a 52-year-old woman named Edna Terry McDonald from Barrington, Rhode Island. Edna had disappeared after being scheduled to show a home to a man named Peter Morgan and was found hanging from the rafters of the basement by her own stockings the next day. There's something really extra awful. I mean, like this whole story is like extremely awful, but to... Hang people? No, I know, I know. That chilled me to my damn bones. Yes. The amount of extra effort that is to be that, oh, I just, wow. Yeah. I'm understanding better why maybe this case hasn't been covered because it's so scary. It's so gruesome. Yeah. No, I thought the exact same thing that it's so much effort and it's just. Were they presumed to be dead when that happened or was that just like an extra layer of. Sado masochistic torture. Yeah, I don't think they were dead. Ugh, I don't know that for yeah. sure, but I don't think no, that they it were dead. Sense they wouldn't be, and I hate that. Yeah, I think that is how they died. So, agents built a massive case against Debartelaben, but he was building a case against them simultaneously. What? Well, he claimed that all of the evidence that they planned to use against him for his charges of kidnapping, torture, rape, and murder had been illegally seized from his storage facility. Oh, no. And a judge actually heard his case. Oh, no. And I don't know the circumstances. I don't exactly know if they had a warrant or if it's like they were seizing this evidence for a different crime. Right. And if then it's not admissible as like, you know, 5,000 other felonies. Right. But very luckily, the judge ruled in favor of the Secret Service. Thank God. And so the 144 boxes of highly incriminating evidence would be admissible in court to convict James DeBartelaben of his numerous atrocious crimes. So as do all creeps that are the biggest creeps of all creeps, DeBartelaben decided to be his own lawyer. (laughs) Of course he did. Of course he did. Which was sort of a genius move on his part because that meant he would be able to cross-examine his own victims. No, 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 no. 
I don't know how many of them testified, but I do know Lori Jensen did. And she did. She testified. Good for her. She did not back down. And I cannot begin to imagine how fucking traumatizing no. it would be to have to listen to those tapes again and go face to face with your fucking attacker. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. No. So detectives also examined the photographs they found in the storage facility, and there was a male figure in many of them that had been mostly cut out of the photographs so he couldn't be identified. Forensic analysts were able to identify enough distinguishing features in the photos and compare them to the same marks on DeBartolaben. They did subpoena naked photos of him. Wow. Like they made, they got naked photos of his body to prove that he was the man in the photos with his victims. Wow. And this is 80s now? Like the trials have Very early 80s, okay. yeah. yeah. They also used hair samples found on his suspected victims to show that he had been in contact with them, as well as writing samples to confirm the diaries belonged to him. Based on a truly insane amount of evidence, DeBartolaben was found guilty of about a billion crimes mm-hmm. He got 11 indictments in nine states and was sentenced to 375 years in prison. Wow. He maintained his innocence, saying the Secret Service manufactured all of the evidence against him. Oh, yeah, because that's what they're going to do. But that's how they're going to spend their time is to really nail this guy for his make what for his fake money counterfeit. Right. Yeah. No. Yes. He died of pneumonia in prison in 2011. Good. Goodbye. Quote, Inevitably, DeBartolaben has been compared to other degenerate offenders of his order. Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Gacy, and the rest. Where these comparisons falter, however, is the breadth of DeBartolaben's depredations. And in his painstakingly patient and methodical approach to murder which allowed him to remain at large for longer than his putative peers. Ted Bundy, for example, bumbled as a thief and failed outright as a fugitive. What is more, he may have roved free, killing for fewer than five years in all. Bundy ultimately admitted to 30 slayings. DeBartolaben, by contrast, is to believe to have committed his first killing in 1965 or earlier, wow. at least 18 years before he finally was caught. No. The arithmetic is chilling. They have no idea how many people he killed, but in the end, he went to prison forever and then died there. And that, you guys, is the <sighs> mind bending oh story of James Mitchell de Bartolaben. And I assume they couldn't identify the 50 pictures, like each individual person. That is all that those ones are the only ones that I know of that have been conclusively identified. And I know that not all of them were, I know he wasn't charged even with all of those. Some of them they took to trial, but they didn't convict him. But yeah, he, it's like, it's like Israel Keys. Yes. This guy went all 38 states. He counterfeited in 38 states. And you know he took his little opportunity to terrorize somebody in some way or another in every single one of those states. At least one person, probably nine people. You know, it's like that is a staggering story. Yeah, it really, really, really is. 
Like, <laughs> the guy did everything bad. He did everything. You're right. It's a total toy box killer. It's like this guy was such a sexual sadist, psychopath, like just hungry for badness, hungry for evil, starving for it. I've never heard anything like it. No. And it's it's like when you think about the ripple effect of yeah. that for generations, forever, for like... Yeah. Like how can one person spread that much pain and devastation and trauma? And it's, yeah. it's like... It, it's just and then just go fully underground to do it. Yeah. You know, at least Bundy and all the rest of them were like family men and upstanding citizens and shit, you know, not at least, but they, you know, they were out there. They were available. This guy was like, I'm just going to become a full criminal to fund my torture, murder, rape syndicate. And what? Wow. Wow. I'm speechless. Like I really, I I, I didn't know what to expect today. You know, you never know. Mm-hmm. With this job, but I was yeah. not prepared for that terrible story. I honestly wasn't prepared either when I dove into it no. because I was like, "Well, how bad can it be? I've never heard of it, so it's probably not that bad." No, it seems t- interesting. <laughs> you know, this guy oh, counterfeiting oh, that God. led to oh, that'll be interesting. No, no. what? No, wow. The fuck? All right, well, good one. I mean, in the most awful way possible. Yeah, I'm glad Thank you. you told it. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad it was brought to our attention and I am yes. it is really strange how and maybe it's a case of like this is a more well-known just like uh Ing and Lake like you yeah. and I had never heard of Ing yeah. and Lake which is a very famous case not covered by a lot of podcasts for some reason right. this probably could be the same thing right. I mean I'm assuming I would have remembered the name DeBart Laban it's such a specific right. name but so maybe it's something that's been covered widely in documentaries and things and not so much in podcasts, which is where I consume most of my true crime. Yeah. But regardless, whoa. Or I've heard of it before and then I just immediately like flicked it out of my brain so that I didn't have to remember it. Yeah, oh, to remember man. that people are capable of shit like this. Well, hey. and to any victims or victims' families who are still with us, good God. Yeah. I mean... What you have had to endure is, it's the kind of shit that makes you question everything yes. that you want to hold on to as truth. And yes. if you have one shred of happiness, hope, or light in your life, mm-hmm. you are amazing and yes. to be commended because yeah. I cannot apologize enough that you had to come in contact with such evil. It's right. evil. I, it's like, I don't like to reduce human beings, no matter how bad they are, into like monsters, animals, you know, I, but good. I mean, what other word is there for that shit than just pure monstrous evil? I'm sure there was a human being in there somewhere, but that, that thing. Well, it just seems that, like you do enough no. truly, truly awful shit that your humanity has to go away somewhere. Like you can't, yeah. you cannot do that much awful and still maintain yep. a sliver of your own humanity. Like I can't right. believe that that, I mean, I'm, I don't know. It's just, it's too much. It's too much terrible, mm-hmm. too much pain, too much suffering, too much 
No. Yeah, and where does it go? Where does the human being go? I guess I it just know. gets buried under the anger and pain. Just concerns. I, I, yeah. I need to get I need to get a serial killer on the phone ASAP. I need to have an honest conversation. No. I just don't feel like we're asking the right <laughs> questions. <laughs> I know it's not true, but God. we'll crack the cake. We'll crack it wide oh, open. Oh man! I know. Like, can we can we can we look at his brain? Can we like? But we don't know enough about brains, really. But I just you know, like, there's got to be an answer somewhere. It's- is it a, is it a prion? Is it prions? It's totally I just, prions. I did a I released a story this morning on Please Leave oh boy. about fatal familial insomnia. So that's Eesh. something to keep you up for the rest of your life. Yes. It's a real disease that makes you stay awake until you uh, die. I've, yeah, I've come across like TikToks on that. No, Whoa. thank you. God, uh, yeah, prions. That <laughs> shit. Yeah, if prions exist then. Really, 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 this world is capable of a lot of horrendous hey, shit. Yep. Like that, that is, go ahead, Google it and then never sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, right. yeah, that's yeah. how you get it. Yeah. You get fatal familial insomnia by Googling fatal familial uh-huh. insomnia because it scares you to the point that you never sleep again sleep and then you again. die of it. Anyway. Anyway, wow. Well, let's move on because I'm done thinking about that shit. Me too. Me too. Very much. Uh, Let's see. I don't feel like I have a huge pile of names. Let me look. (laughs) Okay. I have just enough. We definitely need name time and these are pretty fucking great names. So we only have uh, like five, but here we go. Uh, somebody came across two people recently with the last names Magpie and Bird. Really? <laughs> <laughs> somebody named Barry McCockiner. <laughs> McCockiner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when sounds are just like added to names, you know, like could be McCockiner. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Someone named Michaela Sprinkle. Oh. <laughs> Somebody went through British Columbia to Alberta and drove through Eckville. Yahoo! And one of the best names we've ever gotten ever, Misty Bonkers. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's it. That's a, it's a very small name time this week, it. but... Yeah, Misty Bonkers is enough to do a quick reset, <laughs> cleanse the palate real fast. Yeah, we talked about Optimus Griffith, a kid that's on my kid's uh, baseball team. Yeah. And every time the coach yells out, Optimus, blah, 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 ah. I'm like, <laughs> such a badass name. It really is amazing. I love it. I'm so, I need to find the parents and be like, you guys win. This is amazing. Like, you know, my, my oldest child's name is Unique. In its own right, at least here in America. And oh, for a second, I thought you were saying your oldest child's name is unique, and I was like, "Wait, uh, just a damn minute!" I, I really had. I was like, "Wait, it is that oh I had named him unique." Yes. I was like, cool. "Spoiler alert!" It's I not. really had a moment. I was like, "Cool, Whoa. I don't remember that, but that." Oh God. No, no, he uh, has a, a not as common name, and mm-hmm. uh, but God, Optimus, man, Oof. no, Ugh. just yeah. that's amazing. It is amazing. But yeah, Misty Bonkers is the most amazing. 
to know that there is a whole family of bonkers out there is it's bonkers. Yeah, bonkers is my favorite word. You guys have heard me say it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So, Misty Bonkers, bravo, bravo. Who sent that? Whoever sent that in, yes. bravo to Misty Bonkers for having that name. Uh, I feel like is there any business we need to tend to? Life stories. Mm. I mean, God, yes, there's so many things, but... Yeah, not so much. Well, one little thing I wanted to bring up very quickly. I don't know where this will go, and maybe it'll just... Maybe I can solicit some medical advice or conclusive information, or I can help somebody who's experiencing something similar. But I'm going to take you on a very quick journey of my wife's medical history over the last two years. And, you know, I've mentioned on the podcast when things were happening, I kept saying, you know, like, Laura's not... You know, something's going on. She's okay. And in retrospect, she was very much not okay. We just didn't know how not okay she was. Mm -hmm. But I'm bringing this up because it's really fascinating shit. And I've had a suspicion that these things were linked to other things from the beginning. And those suspicions are beginning to be confirmed. But there is literally nothing on the internet to confirm them. So very quickly, like mid-COVID, October, whatever, 2021-ish, Laura basically could got stiff in her entire body, basically got arthritis of her entire body almost overnight. And it was like within a week, things started to tighten up. And after about a week and a half, she was flat on the floor for two solid months, could not move. Like she was in so much pain. Yeah. And Laura is like so active and so energetic. And yes. like this yes. was super out of nowhere for her in a very yeah. big way. Extremely healthy, very, yeah, very active, was a tennis player, track star, or not track star, tennis player, uh, softball star, everything, you know, but just her family is that kind of family. So went to rheumatologist, you know, went to oncologist, everything, figured out it was something, she was diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica, which basically means like inflammation of everything. <laughs> it's like an onomatopoeia kind you of You are thing. and you're just screwed. <laughs> oh, yeah, guess what? Your shit's inflamed. Yeah, well, we figured that much out, right? Uh-huh. So this also started as like coincided with perimenopause. And I found like some very deep subreddit or blog, you know, of women talking about getting diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica at the onset of menopause or perimenopause, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, And a lot of them were like, I finally found somebody to do hormone replacement therapy. And one woman said, like, quote, it was like a faucet turning on. So I have always suspected that this has something to do with a change in her hormones, right? So Mm -hmm. fast forward, they put basically the treatment of polymyalgia rheumatica is to take prednisone. So they put her on a low dose of prednisone. It, it, it immediately helped. And so they're like, well, that's what you have because if this helps, that's what you have basically. So she's on this low dose of steroids. One of the side effects of steroids is that you can get diverticulitis. One of the fucked up things about getting diverticulitis on steroids is that it masks the symptoms. Mm-hmm. So ultimately she got a terrible long-term case of diverticulitis that we weren't aware of for maybe three months, which all doctors right now are like, what? (laughs) Because basically by the time we figured it out, she had a massive infection in her colon and that led to two surgeries to her colon. That is not something I wish on my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it actually wasn't that bad, but she did get a bowel block at one of those. That I definitely would not ever, ever wish a bowel blockage on my worst enemy. The 
colon surgeries were bad, but whatever. So she, due to being a tennis pro and fucking softball star and like a drunken knight jumping a fence, she's had five <laughs> knee surgeries in her life. And when all this started happening, her knee presented first, right? Mm -hmm. It was painful. So initially we're like, well, it's time to get that knee changed. And then it moved to her shoulder and then it moved to her entire body. So she's been on prednisone and they've recently changed her from prednisone to hydrochloroquine and she was able to come off the prednisone. As soon as she came off the prednisone, her knee starts like screaming, like, mm -hmm. hey, here I am, I'm back. You know, she's been getting the cortisol shots or whatever in the meantime, which helps a lot, but came clear it's time to get the knee replaced. So two weeks ago tomorrow, she got her knee replaced and she tried to take her hydrochloroquine once and she was also on hydrocodone, which she is not tolerant of. And so she was puking up the hydrocodone and she puked up the hydrochloroquine. So it's been now almost two weeks since she took the medication for hydrochloroquine. Previous to this, if she had gone a day, even like a half of a day without one of those medications, she would go, you know, she would feel the, the symptoms of the polymyalgia rheumatica. She has not had a single symptom since she got her knee replaced. And so she also experiences anaphylaxis. If she gets stung by a bee, she goes into anaphylactic shock. I have been there to witness it. It's mm -hmm. happened to her now twice in her life. So I am like, okay, there's got to be some sort of tie between this drop in estrogen, which is also tied to histamines. They know, you know, there's not a ton of studies about histamines in estrogen, but I, but there is a lot, of, there are a lot of people who take antihistamines for anxiety and for menopause symptoms. I have read pretty extensively about that. Hmm. But then I'm also, is there some sort of tie between anaphylaxis, the drop in estrogen, the knee pain and the polymyalgia rheumatica? So has my wife basically been suffering needlessly for two years and on low dose of steroids for two years when all she really needed to do was replace her knee because her body was attacking its entire self <laughs> to try to <laughs> compensate for this knee. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. Um, uh, and she has had amazing medical treatment. Like I feel incredibly fucking lucky at the care that we have received during all of this. So mm -hmm. I am not being critical of the doctors who have given her that treatment. I'm being critical and questioning of the entire medical system who A, doesn't study women in menopause, period. Right. That is conclusive. They're like, you can't give us babies anymore. Peace. Good mm -hmm. luck to you. We mm -hmm. don't care. Yeah. You're not useful I found, anymore. No, I found one I mean, one not doctor, that they really study women in general, but no, yes, definitely yes. not. They don't study our ADHD. They don't study our autism. They don't mm -hmm. study our chronic pain. They no. don't study. Yeah. They're, yep. they're just not interested. No. And that's not me being hyperbolic. That's the fucking truth. Um, but I know having done, you know, hyper-focusing on this for two years that there are thousands and thousands of women out there experiencing something similar and not getting, you know, being misdiagnosed or just being put on sort of dangerous and unhealthy drugs and things to get through it, which, you know, I'm also grateful for the prednisone because it brought our life back, you know, it gave her a quality of life. Uh, I don't know what the long-term effects of that will be. I don't think it'll be too severe because it was a, like a really low dose, but still, you know. So 
if anybody is experiencing something similar, I don't know, reach out. Maybe we can try to find more information together. But also if anybody has any insight or advice or anything along those lines, I mean, at this point, we're just going to see if the symptoms stay away. But it's like, got to advocate for yourself. Right. Like (laughs) do as much research as you can and I don't know. I don't really know what the moral of the story is because we're still in the middle of the story, but I do feel compelled to share because it's just fucking interesting. Yeah, right? it really and, is. Uh, and she didn't and get COVID before any of that started, no, right? She's had it, not. but not. Yep. It wasn't, that wasn't like a trigger. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, because no. I think people will probably come at, say maybe it's COVID related. No, but. that's a great point. No, she got COVID mm, like a year ago-ish. Yeah. But- but hadn't had it before no. all of that started. That you know no, of. definitely yeah. not. No, definitely not. But anyway, there you go. There's <laughs> our entire medical history. Yeah, right? I know. It's, yeah. What do we not know? What do we, you know, like... <laughs> so many things. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. does make sense that histamines play a bigger mm-hmm. part. You know, if it's, you can have a reaction so strong to something like a bee sting that can like literally cause you to die like what yeah. what else does that super severe reaction do to your body in different ways you know exactly. i think it's a really interesting question especially when your estrogen drops mm-hmm. and i did find a doctor talking about how and the the metaphor was that estrogen allows your histamines to like burst like water balloons like it's mm-hmm. good, you know the reaction and then once the estrogen is gone they just don't they don't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore you know they their job is diminished in whatever way. I don't know enough about it to, you know, I don't understand enough about it to be able to describe it, but there it's definitely, there's definitely a correlation. But then when you go in, I mean, I was on chat GBT, like polymyalgia rheumatica going away after knee surgery, full body inflammation going away after (laughs) knee surgery, histamines in menopause, knee surgery, but like, you know, like just every combination of everything that I could think of to find like any, you know, I've been on Reddit, I've gone Mm -hmm. everywhere trying to find this and I'm again it's just it is what it is at this point we just wait and see if her symptoms stay in remission but I even if somebody's listening to this who's like in perimenopause or has is having inflammation in you know like just there's just something there mm-hmm. and I wanted to mention it because it's very lonely to be sick as I know mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners know because a lot of our listeners have reached out and have autoimmune conditions and Etc. are women who experience being life in women's bodies. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's helpful to anybody whatsoever. There you go. There it is. And I'll keep you posted. I will definitely let you guys know what we find. And even if we don't find anything and she just stays better, then we can probably say that it was the knee causing this to fucking attack her body for the last two years. But yeah. we'll see. Isn't That's so crazy. I'm so glad yeah. she's getting getting better. When you say it all out like that, like I, because you know, I lived, lived through it in, yeah. in real time. But when you say it all court, that's just so much. Well, and thank God, none of our doctors were like, oh, oh God, fuck. <laughs> you know, they were all like, yep, well, you've got a massive infection. And thank God for that. Yeah. My uh-huh. friends who are doctors are like, yeah, if your doctor's not freaking out, you don't need to freak out. Like we see some crazy, crazy yeah. shit, but yeah, and, and I just, I don't know. I just didn't really understand 
what colon surgery meant. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't understand any of it at the time. Neither of us did. But in retrospect, I'm like, I think you almost died. And Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, I think you're right. We just didn't know that she was close to death. Right. And the doctors are good enough to be like, no, we got it. And I'm like, oh, we got to do this, man. Yeah. (laughs) She was in the hospital for lots of time. Yeah, yeah, she was in the hospital, I think, for a total of like, well, she was sick. She was down for about six months out of that year. Mm-hmm. And she was in the hospital for like four weeks mm-hmm. out of that year. And she had an ostomy bag, which if anybody has to get one, it's kind of weirdly not as bad as you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun, but it's very manageable. So that was an interesting thing to experience, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it's weird how you compartmentalize in those moments and just sort of move through it and then in retrospect you're like, Holy shit, we're very lucky. <laughs> so I do feel very lucky and also yeah. frustrated, you know, that we didn't have access to information that could have avoided a lot of a lot of terrible shit happening. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I also feel very, 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 very fucking lucky that we had the resources to cover us during those times because, holy God, I honestly don't know how people do it. I, mm-hmm. So that's got to change. Anyway, that's a whole other tangent. Right? We're not going to go off on the American medical no. system because we, we want to do a time. couple shouties <laughs> and you all <laughs> deserve it and the American medical system does not. But, no. Yeah, and that's not to say that, like you said, not doctors and nurses, like thank God for what you do and thank you for being here. Oh, it's not you as individuals. It's the no. system that has been created around you and we are sorry for that. I and they are very well aware of it. Absolutely. My doctor friends yes. are real clear about the the how much the medical system right. I hope our short. listeners working in the medical system are like, yeah, tell me something we don't know already, mm-hmm. ex-sisters. Yeah. Um, I think I said once, yeah. like the uh, hospitals are like 20% of carbon emissions come from hospitals and like hospital waste and shit. Anyway. so crazy. Yeah. But my doctor friend taught me that. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note. Yeah. Let's talk about things that are awesome. Like the people who support us on Patreon. You can also do that. $5 a month. Get you a full ass episode every single week. Yeah. There's tons Um, and tons of them over there. So many of them. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so, so much to Caitlin B. Caitlin bought herself a pretty cool thing. She bought it with her own money. That wasn't, you, I almost said forfeited. <laughs> wasn't, what's it, it called? <laughs> it was not counterfeited money. There is nothing fake about Caitlin. She is 100% real. And what did she buy herself? You're wondering now. I'll get to it when I get around to it. <laughs> but first, I'm on to tell you about Caitlin. She is the fucking coolest person. She is the best. She's the cutest and also the funniest. And she can twirl. <laughs> Caitlin <laughs> makes all the people stop and stare and wonder <laughs> where they came, she came from. <laughs> Caitlin. Doesn't mind if you want to find out about her. I'll tell you just a couple more things until before I tell you what she bought with her own <laughs> money. 
Caitlin has a sparkle in her eye and a charm that you can see as you're walking by or from a million miles away because <laughs> it is so bright. And I'm here to say that she bought herself a big fucking box of none of your business. <laughs> Thanks, Caitlin. Yes. What'd you get there, Caitlin? Wow, a big old box of none of your business. That's Caitlin. <laughs> as cute and uh, as sparkly as she is, uh-uh. she's also as healthy boundaries. That's right. <laughs> and a sassy tongue. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Danielle T. Danielle T. Listen, <laughs> Danielle T. What is the T on Danielle? The tea on Danielle is that she is swell. The tea on Danielle is that she knows it too well. She knows how to be. She knows how to succeed. She knows how to find what's behind what proceeds. What does that mean, you say? That makes no sense. It's sort of a double negative. Well, the tea on Danielle is that she is so svelte that she can fit between the lines of what I'm saying. The tea on Danielle is that when she fell from the heavens down <laughs> to the earth with the face of an angel, with the mind of the gods, the tea on Danielle is that she was plotting <laughs> to... <laughs> Find a way to teach us all how to be more like she. The tea on Danielle is that she's a genius like Louis Boonwell. Louis? <laughs> the director, the French director. Sure. Manuel Boonwell for Louis Boonwell. <laughs> that she can make a masterpiece to be studied. The tea on Danielle is that she is not unwell. She is so strong, so healthy, so capable, so bright. The tea on Danielle is that she is our light. No. Is that Louise Boonwell? What's Boonwell's first name? Director Boonwell. And I'm also, I thank God we don't have very many French listeners. Louise Boonwell, I did it! Or is he Spanish? Oh, man. He's Spanish. Okay, well. We don't, I don't feel like the Spanish listen to us. Am I wrong? Are you <laughs> out there, know. Spaniards? Hey. <laughs> I feel like they do not have the time. Just much like the French, they're like, hey, I don't have the time no, for thanks. that shit. No, nope. thank you. All right, one more. Who's next? All right, last but certainly not least, thank you so much to Alexis P. Alexis. It goes without saying that Alexis is the nexus. Alexis is the top. Alexis is the beginning. Alexis does not stop. Alexis is infinite. Alexis is light. Alexis is energy. Alexis is flight. Alexis will correct us (laughs) when we go astray. Alexis knows why we grows and why we spent 
why we while this life away. Alexis says, don't do that, guys. This life is precious. This life is eyes. <laughs> this life is eyes. <laughs> Can it be plural and singular at the same time? Yes. Yes. This life is precious. This life is eyes. <laughs> this just just follow me and you will see how to do it, how to be, how to live, how to sing, how to celebrate <laughs> every motherfucking thing. I like how it ended in the in the uh, Dr. Seuss prose. Oh, I think that, that went that there was a lot of Seuss coming through today. <laughs> No doubt about it. It's uh, like the rain on the roof, the cat in the fucking boot. <laughs> the cat in the boot. Cat in the boot and the hat and the fat cat. It's very much Matt. a Seuss kind of day over here <laughs> God, in me too. northwestern Indiana with the Phew. rain on the roof and the... Anyway. <laughs> we love you all so much. Uh, we love you all so much. Before yes. I lose the thread entirely, I would love to invite you to come find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at They Will Kill. We have a new TikTok called They Will Kill underscore your brain, where it's just Sadie and I being our own selves and also making all the TikToks I've always wanted to make, like thrift hauls. And yeah, shit I'm going like to do one on my curly hair routine yeah, that I already filmed, and then I put the captions right over my face and then accidentally published, so I have to do it again. Yeah, we're remembering why TikTok is wonderful and also very hard <laughs> I to do. I know, I think about it a lot. People, the TikToks always look so seamless or whatever when you watch yeah. them, but God, gosh. It's a man. lot of work. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's really Courtney's videos that she has up now are really funny and good watch and good watching. It's really fun to do. And I don't yeah. care anymore. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. So come over there and hang out with us if yeah. you want to see who we actually are as people because we right. don't ever reveal that on this podcast. <laughs> no, we're very buttoned up. Yeah, let you us can, know if there's TikToks you want us to do. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. Take, happily take requests. I would. I live for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, theywillkill.com. You can rate and review and subscribe to us. Please do it. Yes, please. And uh, AJ Bergans, we want to th- say thank you for our music every week. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was the beginning of everything and we love you for it. Yes, we do. Uh, and remember... Okay, one sec. I have one... They have found 5,000-year-old granite vessels in Egypt. Granite, the second hardest material on the planet next to diamonds. Mm. They are so perfectly symmetrical that they are essentially impossible. They have not been able to recreate them as perfectly as they were made 5,000 years (laughs) ago with modern tools. And these aren't like rudimentary vessels. These have lip, like... You know, it looks like vases, basically. They're like perfect vases. Some of them are so perfect that they don't have a flat base. They're perfectly round, but they sit impeccably upright because they're so symmetrical that they don't even need a flat base to sit upright. Oh, wow. 5,000 years old. What? Uh, how? <laughs> right? I know. I've been on like hardcore Egyptian TikTok lately. They're talking about the pyramids. And it's not just like how the pyramids line up perfectly, but like how the chambers inside are made and how the, like, 
I am not. Yeah. We've talked about how any any brown ancient cultures it has to be aliens, right? And how racist yeah. that is. But please, what? How? What is yeah. it? What did they do? No. And were, 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 like, you can't, I, you can't tell it, me that there wasn't some sort of they tapped into something somewhere yes. that we have lost, right? Like clearly. And Big what time. was it? I'm dying to know. Big time. Was it Chat yes. GPT? <laughs> was mean, it? <laughs> it's miraculous. I mean, they're like we have tried to recreate these vessels with modern equipment and we cannot do it. Like it, they are so perfect that we can't even get them as perfect. Like when they measure the symmetry, it's it's the the thinness of the measurement is thinner. They're it's their vessels are better. <laughs> it's insanity. It's insane. Yeah, I'm yeah. dying to know what how mm-hmm. they did it and what they used and All where did it. we lose that idea? It's, and like how did because it doesn't make sense. It's so cool. It's, it's so, so cool. cool. Yes. Yeah, these little Easter eggs of hope and fascination. I mean, guys, as fucked up as this place is, it's also beautiful and miraculous. And boy, oh boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Life We're so lucky wild. to be here amongst all the crazy awfulness. Have you ever seen that video of um, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about how miraculous it is to even exist? Yes. Yes, you know how like in the the number, the statistic for yes. how miraculous it is that human beings get to be born, get yes. put together, and show up is yes. just like staggering right. and mind boggling. Yeah, so, not only yeah. how we evolved to be, but then how our our egg and our sperm met. Yep, <laughs> you know, like, yep, lived through all mm-hmm. of these different things, all these circumstances, all of the times your dad turned right instead of left, or right? went to the restaurant, or no. got in the car, or all everything that had to happen had to occur for you to show up. Is yikes! Mm-hmm. You know, I was just telling my oldest he he was sick last week, and uh, that always means lots of extra snuggles. And uh, he was just a like, stomach bug, not feeling good. And mm-hmm. I, we were snuggling and I was talking to him. And I uh, have been telling him he likes to hear like how he was born and like mm-hmm. that experience. And I said, you know, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I I knew who you were before you ever were conceived. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to cry, but like uh, you were meant to be, you know, yeah. you were meant to be for me. And, you know, like we were meant to be together and. Yep. He's he's pretty uh he's not as emotive. That, right, but he was yeah. like he kinda like snuggled in more and wanted me to tell him more and it's just but oh, it's true. God. Like I think that um, you know, like we really are meant to be all of us for each other, yeah. whether our parents have the wherewithal to tell us that or not, but like yep. I know. It's just it is it's miraculous. It really is. Yep. And I feel very grateful and I love you guys and I'm very very grateful for you yes we really are so thank you for being here we'll see you very soon I love you so much have a good week we'll talk to you later you too oh you too goodbye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) goodbye
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.